O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, October 9th. Thank you for joining me in a new Torah reading cycle for this year. For those of you who are new to Daily Audio Torah, you are in for an amazing adventure in the Word of God for this next year. The Word of God is what protects us against deception and delusion. In the world we now live in, finding truth is something you have to seek after with all of your heart because there are so many lies being pushed and promoted through the mainstream media. We must love truth and seek after truth. Truth is a person and that person is Yeshua. We are warned about a strong, deluding spirit that will be present in the end days, as it is written in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Hasatan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Beloved, I believe we are rapidly approaching the end days, so guard your mind and your heart by staying in the Word and staying close to Yeshua. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Noah. Genesis 11, 1-32 Everyone on earth had the same language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a valley in the valley of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them hard. Bricks served them as stone, and bitumen served them as mortar. And they said, Come, let us build us a city and a tower with its top in the sky, to make a name for ourselves. Else we shall be scattered all over the world. Hashem came down to look at the city and tower that man had built. And Hashem said, If, as one people, with one language for all, this is how they have begun to act, then nothing that they may propose to do will be out of their reach. Let us then go down and confound their speech there, so that they shall not understand one another's speech. 
Thus Hashem scattered them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there Hashem confounded the speech of the whole earth, and from there Hashem scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is the line of Shem. Shem was 100 years old when he begot Arpachshad two years after the flood. After the birth of Arpachshad, Shem lived 500 years and begot sons and daughters. When Arpachshad had lived 35 years, he begot Shelach. After the birth of Shelach, Arpachshad lived 403 years and begot sons and daughters. When Shelach had lived 30 years, he begot Ever. After the birth of Ever, Shelach lived 403 years and begot sons and daughters. When Ever had lived 34 years, he begot Peleg. After the birth of Peleg, Ever lived 430 years and begot sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he begot Reu. After the birth of Reu, Peleg lived 209 years and begot sons and daughters. When Reu had lived 32 years, he begot Serug. After the birth of Serug, Reu lived 207 years and begot sons and daughters. When Serug had lived 30 years, he begot Nacor. After the birth of Nacor, Serug lived 200 years and begot sons and daughters. When Nacor had lived 29 years, he begot Terak. After the birth of Terak, Nacor lived 119 years and begot sons and daughters. When Terak had lived 70 years, he begot Avram, Nahor, and Haram. Now this is the line of Terak. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot. Haran died in the lifetime of his father Terah in his native land Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took to themselves wives, the name of Abram's wife being Sarai, and that of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans for the land of Canaan. But when they had come as far as Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah came to 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Jeremiah 12, 1-14-10 You will win, Hashem, if I make against you make claim against you, yet I shall present charges against you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are the workers of treachery at ease? You have planted them, and they have not, and they have taken root. They spread, they even bear fruit. You are present in their mouths, but far from their thoughts. Yet you, Hashem, have noted and observed me. You have tested my heart and found it with you. Drive them out like sheep to the slaughter. 
prepare them for the day of slaying. How long must the land languish, and the grass of all countryside dry up? Must beasts and birds perish, because of the evil of its inhabitants, who say, He will not look upon our future? If you race with the foot-runners, and they exhaust you, how then can you compete with horses? If you are secure only in a tranquil land, how will you fare in the jungle of the Jordan? For even your kinsmen and your father's house, even they are treacherous toward you. They cry after you as a mob. Do not believe them when they speak cordially to you. I have abandoned my house. I have deserted my possession. I have given over my dearly beloved into the hands of her enemies. My own people acted toward me like a lion in the forest. She raised her voice against me. Therefore, I have rejected her. My own people acts toward me like a bird of prey or a hyena. Let the birds of prey surround her. Go, gather all the wild beasts, bring them to devour. Many shepherds have destroyed my vineyard, have trampled my field, have made my delightful field a desolate wilderness. They have made her a desolation. Desolate, she pours out grief to me. The whole land is laid desolate, but no man gives it thought. Spoilers have come upon all the bare heights of the wilderness, for a sword of Hashem devours from one end of the land to the other. No flesh is safe. They have sown wheat and reaped thorns. They have endured pain to no avail. Be shamed, then, by your harvest, by the blazing wrath of Hashem. Thus said Hashem, As for my wicked neighbors who encroach on the heritage that I gave to my people Israel, I am going to uproot them from their soil, and I will uproot the house of Yehuda out of the midst of them. Then, after I have uprooted them, I will take them back into favor and restore them each to his own inheritance and his own land. And if they learn the ways of my people, to swear by my name, as Hashem lives, just as they once taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be built up in the midst of my people. But if they do not give heed, I will tear out that nation, tear it out and destroy it, declares Hashem. Thus says Hashem to me, Go buy yourself a loincloth of linen and put it around your loins, but do not dip it into water. So I bought the loincloth in accordance with Hashem's command and put it about my loins. And the word of Hashem came to me a second time. Take the loincloth which you bought, which is about your loins, and go at once to Parath and cover it up there in a cleft of the rock. I went and buried it at Parath as Hashem had commanded me. Then, after a long time, Hashem said to me, Go at once to Parath and take there the loincloth which I commanded you to bury there. So I went to Parath and dug up the loincloth from the place where I had buried it, and found the loincloth ruined. It was not good for anything. The word of Hashem came to me. Thus said Hashem, Even so will I ruin the overweening pride of Yehuda and Jerusalem 
the wicked people who refuse to heed my bidding, who follow the willfulness of their own hearts, who follow other gods and serve them and worship them, shall become like that loincloth, which is not good for anything. For as the loincloth clings close to the loins of a man, so I brought close to me the whole house of Israel, and the whole house of Yehuda, declares Hashem, that they might be my people for fame and praise and splendor. But they would not obey. And speak this word to them. Thus said Hashem, the God of Israel, Every jar should be filled with wine. And when they say to you, Don't we know that every jar should be filled with wine? Say to them, Thus said Hashem, I am going to fill with drunkenness all the inhabitants of this land, and the kings who sit on the throne of David, and the Kohanim, and the Nevi'im, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will smash them one against the other, parents and children alike, declares Hashem. No pity, compassion, or mercy will stop me from destroying them. Attend and give ear, be not haughty, for Hashem has spoken. Give honor to Hashem your God before He brings darkness, before your feet stumble on the mountains in shadow, when you hope for light, and it is turned to darkness and becomes deep gloom. For if you will not give heed, my inmost self must weep because of your arrogance. My eye must stream and flow with copious tears because the flock of Hashem is taken captive. Say to the king and the queen mother, Sit in a lowly spot, for your diadems are abased, your glorious crowns. The cities of the Negev are shut, there is no one to open them. Yehuda is exiled completely, all of it exiled. Raise your eyes and behold those who come from the north. Where are the sheep entrusted to you, the flock you took pride in? What will you say when they appoint as your heads those among you whom you train to be tame? Shall not pangs seize you like a woman in childbirth? And when you ask yourself, Why have these things befallen me? It is because of your great iniquity that your skirts are lifted up, your limbs exposed. Can the Cushite change his skin, or the leopard his spots? Just as much can you do good who are practiced in doing evil. So I will scatter you like straw that flies before the desert wind. This shall be your lot, your measured portion from me, declares Hashem, because you forgot me and trusted in falsehood. I, in turn, will lift your skirts over your face, and your shame shall be seen. I behold your adulteries, your lustful neighing, your unbridled depravity, your vile acts on the hills of the countryside. Woe to you, O Jerusalem, who will not be clean! How much longer shall it be? The word of Hashem came to Jeremiah concerning the droughts. Yehuda is in mourning, her settlements languish. Men are bowed to the ground, and the outcry of Jerusalem rises. 
Their nobles sent their servants for water. They came to the cisterns. They found no water. They returned, their vessels empty. They are shamed and humiliated. They cover their heads. Because of the ground, there is dismay, for there has been no rain on the earth. The plowmen are shamed. They cover their heads. Even the hind in the field forsakes her newborn fawn, because there is no grass. And the wild donkeys stand on the bare heights, snuffing the air like jackals. Their eyes pine, because there is no herbage. Though our iniquities testify against us, act, Hashem, for the sake of your name. Though our rebellions are many, and we have sinned against you. O hope of Israel! its deliverer in time of trouble. Why are you like a stranger in the land, like a traveler who stops only for the night? Why are you like a man who is stunned, like a warrior who cannot give victory? Yet you are in our midst, Hashem, and your name is attached to us. Do not forsake us. Thus said Hashem concerning this people. Truly they love to stray, They have not restrained their feet, so Hashem has no pleasure in them. Now He will recall their iniquity and punish their sins. First Thessalonians one one to two nine. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, grace be unto you and peace from the God our Father and the Lord Yeshua. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope, in our Lord Yeshua, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Yeshua, which delivered us from the wrath to come. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, We were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, 
Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which tries our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted to you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached to you the gospel of God. Psalm 79, 1-13 O God, the heathen are come into your inheritance. Your holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem into heaps. The dead bodies of your servants have they given to be meat to the fowls of the heaven, and the flesh of your saints to the beasts of the earth. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to them that are round about us. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Shall your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath upon the heathen that have not known you, and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. O remember not against us former iniquities. Let your tender mercy speedily prevent us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for your name's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? Let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of your servants which is shed. Let the sighing of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those that are appointed to die, and render to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach, wherewith they have reproached you, O Lord. So we, your people, and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. Proverbs 24, 30-34 I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come as one that travails, and your want as an armed man. 
I'd like to speak to you today from Genesis 11, and then we're going to jump into Jeremiah chapters 12 through 14. And in Genesis 11 today, we read about the Tower of Babel. And let's just unpack that, and keeping in mind this principle that biblical history is prophecy, that if you want to understand the end of days, you have to go back to the beginning. Because what happened historically is also a prophetic blueprint and a prophetic template for the end of days. So, in chapter 11, verse 1, everyone on earth had the same language and the same words. And the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The Hebrew word for language, Safa, also appears in Sefer Safanya when the prophet describes a Safa Baruha, purity of speech, that will be shared by all the nations of the world in the end of days. For then I will make the peoples pure of speech, so that they all invoke Hashem by name and serve him with one accord. Rabbi Abraham Ezra comments, comments that the pure language that Safanya promises is the Hebrew language in future times. The world will begin to learn Hebrew, the language of creation. This promise has begun to come true in our age. Not only has the Hebrew language been revitalized over the past century as the spoken language in the Jewish homeland, but in more recent years thousands of non-Jews have also begun to study Hebrew as a way to connect with their Creator and gain a deeper understanding of the Bible. Now let's jump into verse 4, where it says, And they said, Come, let us build a city and a tower with its top in the sky to make a name for ourselves, else we shall be scattered all over the world. So this tower reeks of pride. Why? Because they want to make a name for themselves. It's all about self and pride. They're not looking to try to glorify God at all. And so Hashem comes down to look at this tower and the city, and He says, if as one people with one language, this is how they've begun to act, then nothing that they may propose to do will be out of their reach. And so then, let us go down and confound their speech there, so that they shall not understand one another's speech. And thus Hashem scattered them from there over the face of the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there Hashem confounded the speech of the whole earth, and from there Hashem scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now that word Babel in Hebrew, it it means confusion by mixing. And this is a very powerful principle. It's a, it reveals to us a tactic of the enemy. It's mixture. If you think about it, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden was mixture. There was good on the tree, but there was also evil, knowledge of evil on that tree. And so um, they were scattered and their language was confused. And now we're going to jump into Revelation 18, because Babel is uh, present throughout the Bible, 
Babylon and Babel. And there's an end time judgment that comes upon Babel. Let's take a look. In Revelation chapter 18, we'll start in verse 1. And there's this end time judgment that comes to Babylon. And the people of God are told to come out of her, my people. Come out of her. Come out of Babylon, my people. So as you ponder that and reflect upon it, meditate upon it, and inquire and say, Lord, what does that mean? How do I come out of Babylon? What does that look like to be in Babylon? And how do I come out of Babylon? Those are things to ponder and pray into. But let's begin in chapter 18, verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she has rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works. In the cup which she has filled, fill to her double. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. So this end of days Babylon system, if you will, is going to be judged and it will be taken down. We see that Babylon is mixture. Babylon, uh, the principality or the entity of Babylon, persists throughout the Bible all the way into the end of days. And so the seed of evil that was started in the Tower of Babel, of exalting self and building a tower to the heavens and trying to go to this one, one world... Uh, system where they all speak the same language. Um, it's, it's the enemy's counterfeit to God's kingdom. So in God's kingdom, the Hebrew language will be restored and is now in the process of being restored. And not only was the language dead when Israel was first reborn and only one man knew it, now the entire nation of Israel 
speaks Hebrew fluently, and many, many non-Jews are learning Hebrew to better understand the Bible. But the, the Babylon system is at the heart of what we see of the New World Order, the deep state, the globalists. They want to be the elite rulers of the world, and they want this one world system, no borders. This is why there's this push to drop the border between the U.S. and Mexico, uh, that we become borderless and we have tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens coming into the U.S. because this is part of what they want, no borders. So this come out of her, my people, and the idea that there's mixture. Now here's a thought. The mRNA experimental shot or jab that is being uh, inflicted upon people, there's mixture there. Because within that vaccine, it's not actually a vaccine, within that serum is something called graphene oxide. It's metallic. It is uh, something that when you apply light to it or an electromagnetic field around it, it actually forms a network, a living network. And it almost acts as though it's alive. And so this is mixture between iron and clay. Man is made of the dust of the earth, and we have this iron oxide being um, jabbed into him through these shots. And it's mixture. It's, it's, it's moving us towards transhumanism. Mixture. And so, again, that's the heart of Babylon. Mixture. There's something good there, and there's something evil there. Just like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there's something good there, and there's something evil there. Mixture. And what what happens is when we get involved in the Babylon system, we lose our sense of discernment. We can't tell the difference between good and evil. Our discernment goes right down the tubes. So. I'm going to stop there, and we're going to continue on now in Jeremiah chapter 12 and 13. And in chapter 12, the opening verses really applies to today. Jeremiah asks a question, and it's a piercing, penetrating question. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You will win, Hashem, if I make claim against you, yet I shall present charges against you, Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are the workers of treachery at ease? You have planted them, and they have taken root. They spread. They even bear fruit. You are present in their mouths, but far from their thoughts. We could ask that same question today. Why does it appear that the wicked are prospering? that they are winning this battle between good and evil. We all know, for example, that the election of 2020 was stolen. The evidence is overwhelming. We all know that Trump won by a huge landslide. And yet we have the fake president occupying the Oval Office 
and doing great harm and damage to this nation. Why does it seem like the wicked are prospering? We see the human tragedy of what has happened with the withdrawal of U.S. troops in Afghanistan and people who are dying, who are being persecuted, who are being beheaded, and more than a thousand U.S. citizens and friends of the U.S., Afghan friends, who've been left behind to die. Why does it seem that the wicked are prospering? So the question that Jeremiah asks, we can certainly ask today. And could it be that it has to do with the parable of the wheat and the tares? That one night a farmer goes out, or one day he goes out and he plants wheat in his field, but during the night the enemy comes and plants tares, which are like weeds. They look very much like wheat, but they are not wheat. They are tares. He mixes in the tares with the wheat. And then the wheat springs up, and the tares are growing side by side. And the farmer asks the Lord, should we go in and pull out the tares? And he's and he answers and says, no, don't go in and pull out the tares yet, because if you do, you'll disturb the wheat. Let them grow by, side by side until it is harvest time. And at harvest time, then the wheat and the tares are separated. Because at harvest time, the wheat is bowed over with the heavy fruit that's in it. It's bowed over, a picture of humility. But the tares stand up straight and tall, a picture of pride. And it will be easy to discern what is wheat and what is tares. And the angel of the harvest will then come in and cut down the wheat and tares and separate them, and the tares will be set aside in a burn pile. So could it be that maybe this is why God is allowing the wicked to prosper right now? It's the wheat and tares growing side by side. And until it's harvest time, they have to be allowed to grow side by side. Now I want to look at chapter 12, verse 14. Thus said Hashem, As for my wicked neighbors who encroach on the heritage that I gave to my people Israel, I am going to uproot them from their soil, and I will uproot the house of Yehuda out of the midst of them. So this is talking about both houses. The house of Israel, the northern kingdom, and the house of Judah the southern kingdom. And God is saying, I'm going to uproot them out of their midst. They're going to be uprooted. In other words, they're going to go into exile. But verse 15 gives hope. Then, after I have uprooted them, I will take them back into favor and restore them each to his own inheritance and his own land. The Israel Bible commentary to verse 14 reads as follows. Through their actions, the nations have violated the heritage which Hashem designated for his people. These evil nations will therefore be uprooted from their land and sent into exile. God will then uproot Yehuda from among them and replant them in safety and security in the land of Israel by calling Ammon and Moab, my wicked neighbors, Hashem explicitly identifies himself as one with the people of Israel. Their enemies are his enemies. 
Now let's look at chapter 13, verses 10 through 12. This wicked people who refuse to heed my bidding, who follow the willfulness of their own hearts, who follow other gods and serve them and worship them, shall become like that loincloth, which is not good for anything. For as the loincloth clings close to the loins of a man, so I brought close to me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah declares Hashem, that they might be my people for fame and praise and splendor. But they would not obey. Verse 12, And speak this word to them. Thus said Hashem, the God of Israel, Every jar should be filled with wine. And when they say to you, Don't we know that every jar should be filled with wine? Say to them, Thus said Hashem, I am going to fill with drunkenness all the inhabitants of this land. Now, think about it. We just read from Revelation 18 about the merchants and the kings of the earth who get drunk on the wine of the abominations of this end times Babylon entity. So wine is pictured as something that the nations get drunk on in her delicacies and in her riches that she has to offer. So the Israel Bible commentary to verse 12 reads as follows. According to Radok, the metaphor of the jars filled with wine symbolizes the Israelites whose minds will be so preoccupied with the afflictions that will befall them, it will be as if they are intoxicated. In verse 13, Jeremiah clarifies that no one will be immune from punishment. And even the leadership of the people... The kings, the princes, and the prophets will be punished. The wine imagery is particularly poignant, since Yehuda or Judah, is associated with wine. Jacob blessed his son Judah that he would be so rich that he will wash his garments in wine. To this day, the hilly area of Judah south of Jerusalem is internationally renowned for its bountiful vineyards. I would also add that the vineyards are to the north of Jerusalem, up in the biblical heartland of biblical Shomron or Samaria, where Mount Gebal and Mount Gerizim are, that there's, and near Shiloh as well. There's vineyards there that are internationally known for the wine that these grapes produce. And that's in the northern country, uh, where the ten tribes, Joseph, Ephraim, were. So, wine intoxicates, wine takes away judgment, good judgment and discernment, and this Babylon entity, the nations drink from her goblet and get drunk and intoxicated upon this wine. So, this is something that what God is showing us is that the whole house of Israel, the whole house of Judah, they did not obey. And because they did not obey, they went into exile. But as the people within both houses of both Judah and Israel have returned to the Lord, to the God of Israel, and to his word, to the Torah, there's a remnant in both houses that are truly seeking after him and seeking to please him and have true relationship with him. And 
God is going to reconstitute this, reconstitute this nation that has been divided and scattered. He's going to regather the exiles of Israel who've been scattered to all the nations. This is a mission of Yeshua upon his second return. He will complete the mission that he started. So have a blessed day, and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.